Fraser is working his magic once again to, uh, to link up with uh, Oscar Ugarteche in, uh, in Mexico City. Um, I first knew Oscar as, as a colleague in Peru when he was at the uh, uh, Catholic University there. And he has since then taken up a post with the uh, uh, National University in Mexico. He's a senior research fellow at the Instituto de Investigaciones Económicas in, at the uh, National University in Mexico. And um, I know we're all disappointed he didn't get the, the visa promptly. I was in Mexico in May, and um, believe me, Mexicans are very angry with the, the policy that was very suddenly imposed overnight by Canada to demand uh, visas for travel to Canada. And um, I think we can uh, join Oscar in, in protesting how the, the backlog at the Canadian Embassy in Mexico City has uh, prevented his, his attendance with us. But uh, thanks to Fraser, uh, we're going to be able to bring him in by Skype. Right. Hello, good afternoon. Thank you very much for the invitation to be with you this afternoon. I'm sorry I'm not in, in flesh, but I'm in spirit. Um, well, um, first of all, I think that we have to recognize that we are no longer in the scenario of the 1980s for various reasons. The first reason is that the leading debtor countries now are G7 countries. Britain, the US, Germany, Italy, Spain. Spain is not in the G7, but it's in the G20, so let's throw it again for good measure. Um, these are countries that have in the neighborhood of private and public debt of 200% of GDP. Now that's, of course, those are monumental debt amounts. Secondly, the leading creditors now and that's because of what Gail mentioned, of countries uh, having surpluses and storing surpluses, the leading creditors are developing countries. This has changed around everything we knew before. That's why the private markets are not operating the way they used to operate. Um, if you open up the private market, it's going to go directly into the deficit countries, which are the leading economies. So. The, the private markets are pretty much dried up for developing countries uh, on the whole. Um, now, we have a, a second problem, uh, aside from the, who the new creditors are and who the new debtors are. But the, the second problem is that we have an institution built, we have institutions created around the idea that the flow of funds goes from rich countries to poor countries, or from mature countries to developing countries, which is no longer the case, or not, it's, it's not only the case. And so this this brings us to the to the question is, to the question of, what where do we go from here? Is it, that this means to say, whatever measure we suggest, has to be suggested globally for everybody. And that includes Italy, Spain, Germany, the US, uh, Britain, etc. So if we say we want a standstill, and if the precedent for a standstill is the Hoover year of 1929, which came into effect June the 1st, 1931. If we say that, what we're saying essentially is that uh, the leading debtor countries, 
Germany, Italy, Spain, etc., will stop paying their debts at the same time as Samoa, Granada, and the rest. Okay? So we have a problem here. Okay? We have an institutional problem of rules of the game. And this leads us to that discussion of 1942 of how do we uh, reintroduce stability into the world system for everybody. Of course, in 1942 and 43 and 44, uh, the world system had a, sh a certain shape. Today, it is totally out of shape. So who will sit at the debtor's bench and who will sit at the creditor's bench will all depend on the circumstance and the date. Because I think this is going to hit everybody, not only, not only Samoa, Granada, and the sub-Saharan countries, and the Eastern European countries. So it's going to hit everybody. Um, I cannot imagine what uh, uh, European public finances are going to look like when interest rates go up. I cannot imagine. Um, now, in terms of a negotiating space, what we thought about with Alberto Acosta when, when we were doing this, the idea of an international board of arbitration was developed between Alberto and myself, I think it was in the year 2000, when we thought that the crisis that was starting in January of 2000 was going to hit hard on developing countries, and we also thought that uh, it was going to be very hard to get multilateral institutions to sit at the table together with uh, bondholders and with governments. Not all governments are at the Club of Paris, because the Club of Paris is a G7 club. And uh, not all uh, multilateral agencies have any kind of a renegotiating mechanism. In fact, they have no renegotiating mechanism. So we figured uh, we needed an international board of arbitration that would put together all types of creditors with all types of debtors. And that's the first concept. So it's a place where all creditors meet with all debtors be they G7 or not, be they uh, Sub-Saharan Africa or not. And this is, it's a space used in the last instance. So you start trying to arrange your debts, your debt payment problem with your creditors, and if that doesn't work, then you go to an international board of arbitration for sovereign debt. Now, we also thought that it should substitute the existing mechanisms of the Paris Club for official debt, G7 debt, and the London Club for bank debt, namely because there is no longer bank debt, properly speaking. What we have now are um, bonds, and bonds are such are not private bank debts, but they are investment bank uh, holdings. Okay, so it's a different type of a, of an instrument. Mm? I am a. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, what we also found that uh, doesn't exist 
is international financial law. We have a severe problem with national laws being applied internationally. And that's mostly the case of New York law and London law for international loans. Um, we feel that it is time to do with uh, financial law what, what was done previously with trade law. That is, make a UN conference and create an international financial law. And it'll take some time, but we'll create something that will be uh, useful for everybody and that can be used neutrally. And neutrally means that it, it's not biased in favor of one particular country or another, okay? Now, we find, if we get to what else is required, uh, we find that, there we are. Um, no. Okay. We find that the problems to be faced by this uh, tribunal, by this board of arbitration, are of two different natures. One nature is in the case of balance of payments problems or fiscal problems, where debtor countries don't want additional emergency debt, but what Gail was speaking about. Because if they cannot pay the debt they have today, how can they pay more debt? It's absurd. And this was what led to the 1980s problem. Um, so uh, there should be a space where you can work out a payback schedule that will allow the economy to recover. Okay, that's one problem to be faced. The other problems to be faced are the problems that have to do with odious and invalid debts. And we need to have a definition of how they can be recognized and also about what to do with corrupt debt. Because we know, we now know, that there are credits given internationally that are given for the benefit of the parties involved and not for the benefit of development. And that's pretty much corrupt, no? So somebody has to withdraw those loans from the total amount owed by the country and uh, separated and taken to court and written down. And the other thing is what to do with illegitimate debt. Now, illegitimate debt is a complicated concept because illegitimate debt is legal, but, but not legitimate. So for example, is it legitimate to have your debt increased because of capitalized interest and having interest charged over interest? Well. It is legal, but it is not legitimate. And in this particular case, then, that should also be handled by the tribunal, and that should also be set aside. Uh, the, the only way of doing this, of course, is having loan audits. I think the, when, when Alberto and I spoke about the need for loan audits, what we wanted to do, and of course this was before either he and the Equatorian team had done the Equatorian debt, or I had done in the Peruvian Congress the corruption of Fujimori, but we suspected that there could be problems with the contracts. And the only way to recognize if there are problems 
is by auditing the things, auditing the contracts. It's the only way to make sure that, yes, you hired for a hydroelectric plant, a hydroelectric plant works, it is generating the amount of electricity it's meant to, uh, or you have a road and the road is there, and, you know, we don't have once these, these loans that really were used up for something else or for porno end, like in the case of the Batan nuclear reactor of uh, the Philippines, that is to no end that loan. Um, so we think uh, there should be this, this new space that will, on the one hand, reschedule debts, but on the other hand, it will separate illegal debts, illegitimate debts, and odious debts. Um, now, we think also that there should be conditions attached to whatever reschedulings of debts are, are involved. But this, these conditions, of course, should be related to economic, social, and cultural rights. So that the government that is seeking more economic space doesn't use that economic space freely, but it uses it directly for economic, social, and cultural rights of the population. That will narrow down the number of governments that want to go and restructure debts, on the one hand. On the other hand, it will assure that the money that is let loose by the reschedulings is used in, a, in the proper direct social direction and not just in any direction. Uh, we have had very bad experiences of governments having debt relief and then going out and buying weapons, for example. That we have seen both in Latin America and in Africa, and that should not be the case, I don't think. Um, now, we think, uh, with, with Alberto, we had a very long discussion on who should be the agency to take care of the Board of Arbitration. Because uh, Culliver Raffer has proposed an ad hoc, uh, an ad hoc committee, it's something that will meet only when these negotiations are to be held. But we feel it has to be more institutional than that. And in that sense, we feel there should be a secretariat of the International Board of Arbitration. There should be a secretariat of the International Board of Arbitration that should um, first of all, be the window where complaints are received or demands are received, depending on which side of the window the person is on or the government is on. And um, that should be a UN agency. We, we feel it should be UNCTAD. Uh, and we feel it should be UNCTAD because UNCTAD has been involved with debt issues, even though it has been involved in the statistical side of the debt issues, but it has also had some very good diagnosis on the problems, and so we feel it has the experience. We felt it should not be the IMF, as Kruger had suggested, and I think with the support of Barry Herman, if I understand correctly, from uh, FFD in New York. So um, we felt that it should be a UN agency that should... Um, invite the parties, be the window where the complaints or the demands are left, and 
they should be the ones that invite the parties to sit down and then do the choosing of who the arbiters will be and uh, function properly from there on. Uh, um, that is more or less it. Uh, we, in the, uh, in the finally page, which is the last one down, I think uh, we take up Kruger's suggestion that the arbitration court have the power to enforce agreements reached between the majority of creditors and the debtor on all creditors as a way to count out free riders. That is, that we do not need 100% of the creditors to sit down to have all of the debt restructured, but a majority of the creditors, and I think that's correct. That would eliminate the vulture funds problem. The other thing is that, of course, we, we take up Culliver Raffer's suggestion of the Chapter 9, which is uh, the U.S. Chapter 9 of the Municipalities Act, that protects social spending at the time of the standstill. We think that's correct. That should be done. So we take both those ideas. Um, I have probably bypassed a lot of other stuff, but we can leave this up to questions now. Thank you very much. And I'm sorry for the noise you're working outside my window. Please give him a big thank you for...